Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Leaf Report is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So the Leafs are playing in Colorado on Saturday, but on December 4th, you've got Nazem Kadri's return to Toronto. You can find tickets for that. You can find tickets for the Raptors. They're playing the 76ers on Monday. You can see Ben Simmons, maybe Joel Embiid if he plays. So use the GameTime app. There's an easy two-tap checkout system. The GameTime app generally is just simple. It's quick. It's easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play Store or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets with up to 60% off. All right, James, you are in Arizona right now, right? I am in the Phoenix airport in the basement, sitting on the floor next to a garbage can, and uh, I've been sick all week. Um, and Don't my start the podcast a lot. Okay. What? Don't start the podcast on a downer note. What do you What do you usually do in the airport? Do you get yourself like a nice drink? Do you get like a what, What's your your airport routine? I don't know. Spend as little time there as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it depends when the flight is. Like if it's an afternoon flight, go have like a glass of wine or whatever and just, you know, but it's, you know, it's the morning. So worked late last night. It's been a long, uh, it's been a long week. I've been grinding for, for bats one last time. Okay. Just before we get started, wanted to remind you, if you're not an athletic subscriber already, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. You can get 40% off. We have tons of stuff uh, about everything that went down this week in Leafland. Sheldon Keefe, Mike Babcock, what's going on with the Maple Leafs. Again, that's theathletic.com slash leaf report for 40% off. So obviously we haven't talked since it happened. Um, we kind of talked about it on the last podcast that it was inching towards that. Um, you've been there with the team. I'm jealous because like, there's just so much going on. It's so interesting. Um, I guess take me through when, when, when you saw it happen, what's like the first thing that popped into your mind? The timing felt really strange. Like they, they fired him. It was like three o'clock in Arizona. They had let Babcock run practice and give a media availability. And, um, I don't think anyone saw it happening at that point. It felt like either they would have done it before this trip started, like after the Pittsburgh game or maybe in the morning after the Vegas game. But I guess they were waiting for Brendan Shanahan to fly in to, to meet with Babcock. So um, it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, And then Shanahan had like a really quick uh, meeting with the media. Um, 
like four minutes. And then yesterday was a whole bunch of press conferences. And you know, what's really interesting, Jonas is that, so I've been on this trip since Sunday, Leafs practice in Vegas on Monday, the mood around the Leafs on Monday and Tuesday in Vegas was really, really tense. Like the people were really, people were really uptight and serious. And, and I mean, not just the players, but like the front office and everything. And then as soon as it happened, you know, when we got to the arena on uh, Thursday morning for the game, lots of smiles, lots of, you know, like the mood was completely different. And like I said, not just with the players, but you know, the staff and stuff like that. I mean, Kyle Dubas and um, Brendan Shanahan were obviously um, they've had a long week and they were very, very somber yesterday, but the players and I think a lot of the support staff, I I feel like there was a new energy around the team. And then you saw it in the game uh, against Arizona. Well, you could just put yourself in that situation and you can imagine uh, the team's lost six straight. There are questions about whether the head coach is going to be fired. You could just imagine being in that situation. It would be tense. Like it would feel like, I bet like I got to kind of walk on eggshells a little bit because like our boss might lose his job. You know, who knows what's going to happen. There's, there's lots of pressure. Like it's almost like the pressure was just building up. And then when they make the move, it kind of lets out and people relax and they breathe and they feel good again. Um, I wonder like if, if there was a better, like I, I understand Brendan Shanahan wanted to be there to do it himself. He hired Mike Babcock. I don't love like the, the optics of letting a guy coach practice, meet with the media and then firing him. I like, I don't, I don't love that. Uh, especially given what Babcock did for the organization. And I'm kind of like a little uneasy about the giddiness after. And yet I get it. Like, do you, you kind of see what I'm saying? Like I'm of two minds about a lot of this stuff just because I don't know, like it is a really serious thing that they fired the coach 23 games into the season. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that Shanahan and, and Dubas were approaching it. Honestly, Jonas, like I think that what is more clear than ever is the players really, really, really did not like Babcock. Like, I, my understanding in you know being here around the team this week and just talking to sources around the team and and talking to people you know, off the record and anonymously and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, the players were holding a lot of this in um, about what was going on and how they felt, you know, this stuff had been kind of like rumored a little bit, um, but now it's, it's all coming out and it sounds like it was pretty dysfunctional. So, and I know I've heard from some fans saying that they're, you know, it's a bit frustrating that this didn't come out earlier, but I mean, that's actually probably a good sign. The players were trying to make it work. Like they were trying, they weren't going to the media and leaking all this negative stuff about their coach. They were trying to do what they were being asked to do, but it's pretty, it's pretty damning when Shanahan comes out and says, I could see how frustrated the players were. I could see they didn't believe what they were. They didn't have any belief in their eyes in the game. And it, it was time. It was time, you know, and, I, I put this on Twitter and, and I took some heat for it, but I said, you know, in hindsight, they should have fired Babcock in the summer. Like if, if that's how dysfunctional it was and that's how the players were going to play for Babcock, there wasn't really any point in bringing him back this season. 
Yeah, but see, see, this all seems a little too convenient for me. They were up three two against the Bruins. Like, were were they so dysfunctional that they they were up three two against the Bruins and probably should have won that series? Like, it all feels a little too convenient. And and I've always been of the belief, like, just that that all, most players probably don't like their coach. And and after four and a half years, especially of someone like Babcock, I can imagine why it would be tough to love him. And yet, like you look at some of, like you can't really point to anything this season. Like they did not play well at all this season. They didn't play poorly in that Vegas game. They didn't play poorly, I mean, at times in games before that. So I don't know how much, I, like I just struggle with like how much does that matter? Yeah. But, well, it matters if the team doesn't perform. and Yeah, but is the team not performing because they don't like the coach or is the team not performing because certain things that the coach is doing aren't working? I mean... Plus all the other stuff. I think that, that stuff that Shanahan's talking about, like the frustration and the lack but of that, belief and all that stuff, that's not just the last five games. Like, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm here, I'm around the team, I'm talking to people, and I'm getting... Like, I don't think that this is revisionist history. I think that there were problems here that contributed to what happened this season. Like, that, that's my read on it now. And it was harder to see before this. It was harder to see. Well, I know I what mean, you're saying. Like, m- most people that play for Babcock, like, don't like playing for him, but... This seems like it was even more dysfunctional than, like, say, what happened in Detroit. Or it's a young team. I think that those players wanted, like, they needed a different message than, like, say, the the veteran guys in Detroit who probably could put up with what Babcock was preaching a little bit more. And who, frankly, whose roster was probably better constructed for what Babcock was trying to do. Right. Well, and and to be fair, like you could see, like no one is around the team more than me. You could see, and you and I have talked about it on the podcast a lot, that there was like a joylessness with the team that seemed weird. Like given that you have all these young guys, they're in Toronto, they're playing for the Leafs. Yeah, and last season it was there. And and so maybe like when you have a personality like Mike's, like it just gets tight. And maybe that tightness is, is part of what you saw let out because like you watch that game against Arizona and I thought it was great that you you presented that word freedom. They just look loose, like they just look like free, and and so maybe it it just tightened up to the point that they felt they needed to make the change. But like to your point, I I still don't like the way they handled it. Like I, if if they if it, well, it's, there's I don't know. You can give your thoughts on that. Like there. Are, what you're saying of being on two minds, like I get where like a lot of the fan base is coming from. Like they didn't like Babcock and they saw him as an impediment to getting better. And, but it's problematic if it's problematic if the players quit on the coach, right? Like it's problematic if they play. I don't know. It's hard to know if, I don't know if they quit on the coach. I don't know if that's, well, the Pittsburgh game is the one where it looked like that's what was going on, but sure, okay. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, like, is it that they're so frustrated that is it that the system doesn't work, or they no longer wanted to play it, or believed in it, or I mean, like, the thing is, Jonas, like I said, the bottom line is that this was the right decision. I don't know 
for sure. Like, like what happens if it doesn't work with Keith and then the players decide that, that this system isn't the one that they want to play under. And like, you know, you need to have, <laughs> you know what I didn't it's, like, James? It's like, interesting. What I didn't like was, okay. So at the end of the last year, like, Kyle Dubas, I, I get what he's saying. Like he's being asked, like right after the season, or you bring the coach back, he's saying, like we got to evaluate everything. Fine. I don't like that you leave it as long as they did. I don't like. I also don't like like just the perception of just having like, if I'm a player and I know that you just keep keeping Sheldon Keefe around with the Marlies, like clearly you are just having him there for the time that you fire Mike. You're just going to install him. And I mean, Kyle Dubas has said like they considered no one else. I didn't like the optics of that. Like, you wait 11 days yeah, to Yeah, but Sheldon him. wasn't offered a job anywhere else, Jonas. Sheldon wasn't offered an NHL job. So, like, if they're not, they weren't, like... Yeah, and, and hey... Why dude, wouldn't they keep him there? Like, I, I just don't believe... Sheldon's not a guy that wants to be an assistant coach. I don't believe that if he didn't want to go get a job somewhere else, maybe not this past summer, but the previous summer in the NHL, that he couldn't do it. Now, is that... Does he want to be an assistant? No. Like, it, it, it's been pretty clear that he's not built to be an assistant. He wants to be a head coach. So maybe that was the thing all along, but it just, it just left an undercurrent of undermining the coach, how they handled things after last year, keeping Keith around, giving him a two year extension. I mean, I tried to talk to Kyle Dubas um, after he finally kind of revealed that, that Mike Babcock was, was coming back and, and I wasn't able to. And yet when they extended Keith, Dubas came out and spoke. So like there were just little things that I didn't like, that the way that they set it up and now you're putting Sheldon Keefe in a really tough position where he's taking over midseason, And like you, you and I have pointed out, like they have to play at a really high level to get to a hundred points to make the playoffs. And that's, it's, it's very well possible. Um, it just feels like it could have been handled better. And yet these things are hard. Like the, it, it's hard to get this right, especially given Mike Babcock's place in the organization, given the eight year contract, given who he is, I can also see how it might be tough to to just fire him after what happened last year. But if that's what you wanted to do, I don't know. Maybe you should have done it. Well, I mean, there's talk that Dubas wanted to, and but there were other. I mean, he's not the top decision maker in the in the organization. So the other thing that's very clear, and Dubas spoke to it directly yesterday at the press conference, was that Babcock and he weren't on the same page. And prior to that, they had always denied that. But it is very, very clear that there were significant problems between Dubas and Babcock, and they they weren't aligned. Like they, you know, and like all those passive aggressive things that Babcock would say, you know, when they acquire Muzzin or when they or what happened with Spezza, or there's tons of examples. Justin Hall is another one, or Nick Patan. All of those things we talked about, all of those are true. All of them are true. And Kyle Dubas is, um, all the, all these guys are hyper competitive people who have been very successful in their lives. And I'm sure Dubas does not like, like you talk about undermining, like there was undermining happening where the coach is publicly criticizing the moves being made by the, the management staff and about how they don't have size and they don't have tough guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't it in preseason someone asked about, someone asked Babcock about having a physical response or something when something happened. And he's like, well, who's going to do that or something like that. Like it, it happened over and over and over again. And I'm sure Kyle Dubas hated it. And the thing too, that's interesting, Jonas is that the players are all 
they're all millennials or younger. Um, is, is a 20 year old a millennial or are they younger than a millennial? Are they like Gen Z or whatever it is? I think that's what they are. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a millennial. I don't, I am. You, I, I think, think you probably are. Yep, yeah. Sweet. You are. You're an old millennial. Um, <laughs> I remember when we had, I remember dial up internet. I remember before internet. That's how old I am. Um, 56 K they're all on social media. They're reading what people, what the media is talking about. They're watching the press conferences, like not all the players, but a lot of the players are really in tune with what's actually going on. And I think when Dubas left Babcock kind of twisting in the wind for 11 days before they confirmed he was coming back to the players that said, if you can imagine like what happened in the second half of last year with the players being frustrated playing for Babcock and not wanting him there. And then all of a sudden the GM makes it look like he doesn't want him there either. That's not a good way to go into this season. It's no. just not. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it doesn't like, set you up so, to have success, right? No, because I think the, like the young guys on the team like looked at that and were like, they, they had hope that maybe there would be a change. And if that's how bad it is, if that's how, like I said, dysfunctional, if that's how much they wanted the coach gone, they should have just made the change. Like, there's no point in trying. It It's not going to work. Like, Mike Babcock was never going to embrace Nick Patan and Jason Spezza and who am I forgetting? Like, go down the list. Justin you know, Hall. He, was well, gonna, he wasn't going to play Dermot more than 12 minutes a game. He wasn't going to unleash them in the offensive zone. He wasn't going to... Tyson Berry was not going to thrive under Babcock. Like I think Tyson Berry wanted out of Toronto within the first couple of weeks, just because of what it was like playing for Babcock. And that's not a guy that, you know, had been around a long time and resented the coach. He just wasn't having a lot of fun with what he was being asked to do. Yeah. I, I think there, that, that's I fair. Said that, didn't I say that to you like a month ago that I heard that there was a rumor that Barry wanted out? Like, like that's been floated for a long time. Yeah, I struggle with that one. I, I saw you pointed that out in your piece that, that he kind of feels unleashed now. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know about that. I think it I think it's there's something there. Um I also thought in your story after the firing, just about the Dubis Babcock relationship was kind of doomed to fail. I do think as you're pointing out here too. Babcock didn't help himself with a lot of this stuff. Like, you don't need to scratch Jason Spets in the first game of the year. You just don't. Like that, you are just like you are. You are picking a fight where you don't need to pick a fight. Um, if you really, well, really well, don't like him, don't don't play him in Columbus on the Friday night. But don't like that is a pretty clear. I know. I think I wrote it at the time, but like it seemed like it was like kind of like a assigned to Kyle Dubas, like, I'm going to play who I want. Like, you can bring on uh, all these well, guys. Well, he was I'm going after coach. Spezza the first day of training camp, remember? Like, he was, like, saying all this stuff about Spezza the first day of camp. That, you know, maybe he wasn't going to be able to kill penalties or whatever. And, like, there was this kind of, like, passive-aggressive stuff. And the other thing, too, Jonas, is that, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but Jason Spezza is super popular in that dressing room. Like, he's... Exactly, yes. So that is just, like, you are just needlessly alienating a dressing room when you don't need to alienate a dressing room. And like Justin Hall, another guy who's very popular in that room, like you scratch him 71 times, like, I don't know. He didn't help himself. So I, I can't dispute that. Um, one thing I, 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 
actually, let, let's continue on just with, with Keith. Um, it looked like a different team. What kind of stuck out to you just in that very first game? Um, a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, Sheldon Keith was emotional, obviously, because it was his first game. You know, he's a guy that didn't, he made the NHL, but only barely. And he only, he didn't play a lot of games and his career after being a big OHL star didn't, I've talked to him about this a little bit, just, you know, I remember I asked him in training camp, I think it was last year's training camp. And I said, uh, I don't know. I said something to him about like, Oh, another day at training camp. And in Shelton was like another day in the NHL. I love it. Or something like that. Like he's, this has been his dream for a long, his whole life essentially. Mm-hmm. And as a player, he didn't quite make it there. And now he did. And you know, that press conference where he was introduced to him, I didn't know if Sheldon was going to, he's not, I don't think he's much of a crier, but I thought maybe he was going to, he was pretty emotional and his family was there his, his boys were there. And, um, there was a lot of nice moments there yesterday that didn't make it into my story that were and like what happened Jonas is that so many of these players, 13 of, of the 23 on the roster had played for Keith before. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the move was made and probably before the move was made too, to be honest, like those players that, that really liked Keith that played with them in the Marlies were talking them up to the guys that hadn't played for Keith and didn't know him very well. And, um, by the time it came to that morning skate, the players were, they were super dialed in to what Keith was trying to get them to do. I'm sure you saw my little video that I posted, but like there was, it was that morning skate looked unlike any morning skate I've ever seen in my life, just with what Keith was trying to do. And the players were, they were a hundred percent on board and dialed in. And, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that, they've been waiting for this change. I mean, look at some of the quotes from the players, you know, before and after the game. Like, did you see Dermot's quote before the game to, to Sportsnet? I did, yeah. You know, he basically said, this is what we needed. Or, like, it, it, there's no, there was no, there weren't very many guys there that were sad to see the coach go. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line. So. Again, so, like, I'm I'm of two minds on all this stuff. Like, it, it, it feels a little like, I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but it feels a little like that to, to, to Mike Babcock. It also feels a little like that with just how, just some of the changes that Keith made. Like he, he didn't, like sometimes a coach gets fired and, and you see the new guy come in and he doesn't change everything right away. Like he might change things systematically, but optically he doesn't make changes. Like he, he leaves the lines for a couple games. You know what I mean? Like he, he kind of keeps things as is, and then he starts to tweak it his own way. Keith right away changed tons of shit that you could just see. Like he, he moved Zach Hyman from left wing to right wing. He moved McKayev up. He moved Spezza into third line center, even though they were getting Kerfoot back, he took shore away. He put, Pierre Engvall and Andreas Janssen on the penalty kill, like he just came in and just said, like, we're doing things way differently. And clearly these are changes he's probably thought about for a while. Well, not only that, Jonas, but like Sheldon and Sheldon Keefe and and Kyle Dubas are really close, right? And Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of stuff that, that I'm sure Dubas has had in the back of his mind of what he'd like to see. And I'm sure that those two met and talked about what they should try. And I mean, Dubas has watched the Leafs way closer than Sheldon Keefe has. Sheldon Keefe has been a hundred percent dialed in on the Marlies and, you know, 
he said yesterday he's still getting up to speed on on what the issues are and where they need to get better and all those things and it's that's going to take him some time to do that on the fly so I think what you're going to see is that not just Dubas but like the other staff you know there's assistant GMs that have been watching every game and the you know Daryl Metcalf's been on this trip and the, he he runs the research and analytics department and he, he's going to have input and you know the assistant coaches that have been here and the video coach and all these people are going to have input on things that they could potentially try that weren't tried under under Babcock. Yeah, and I think that's an important point in, in difference, contrast, whatever, between Babcock and Keefe. Like Babcock, he, he just stopped. He didn't want to try things. Like he was like, he had his box and this is what, like this player was in this box and that's what he did and, and I'm not going to change that. So like when, when I remember when Andreas Janssen first got called up, I remember writing, I'm pretty sure, that I thought like maybe he'll kill penalties because he'd kill penalties with the Marlies. Never happened. And it was just like because he had put guys in certain boxes, that's where they were and they weren't going to change. Zach Hyman was a left winger. He wasn't a right winger. And like he wasn't going to bounce around. Jason Spezza couldn't play, couldn't play for Mike Babcock in ideal situations. That wasn't going to change. Like he made his mind up. You know what I mean? Like it was just like Tyson Berry and, and, and Morgan Riley can't play together. We can't have two guys like that playing together. It just like there were rules that couldn't be broken. And, and it feels like it'll be different that way. Honestly, like, I think, like, by, I don't know if you saw any of this. You've been around the team more than I have this year just because I, I get pulled in a lot of different directions. But, like, it just felt like, like, I think Babcock was, like, he was going to go out the way he he came, he came in. Like, he wasn't going to change. Like, and I remember he wrote the piece right after the playoff loss about how they need Babcock to change because the roster's going to get more dubacy and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. Maybe we were naive because I don't think he had any intention of changing. And it was, you know, that, that press conference where, or, or media availability where he talked about um, Mike Babcock bets on Mike Babcock and it's always worked for me betting on Mike Babcock. Yeah. I mean, that whole day and that media availability and just the way that like Mike Babcock was, there was just there was just a big divide between he and Kyle Dubas, and it wasn't going to work. I, I'm I'm convinced of that now, and I know when we 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 did we've done other podcasts, and I thought maybe that there would be a way for it to to work, but I don't buy it, though. You had it in your story, though, James, and like, yeah, but James, one thing, like, I don't agree with the fact that he didn't change this year. He did some things differently. Like, I mean, fuck, like Justin Hall was playing, not just playing, like marginal minutes he was playing like he had moved up onto their second pair you looked at some of the yeah the but what i said he, i didn't see any innovative changes like i didn't yeah, see anything that's not, that was like i don't think that's true i mean he started say, used, the fourth line played in the in the d zone all the time like that was yeah, working like, well in the offensive zone or the the two top lines played in the offensive zone more like he was doing things differently now can you argue that that fourth line stuff was not working and needed to change yes and like I was like, even if he didn't get fired, I was thinking like for my Monday thing of like writing about that. Like I just don't think you can have, especially when you don't have a third line that can score. I don't think you can have a fourth line that just is like a wasteland offensively. And clearly, that's one of the things that immediately changed with Sheldon Keefe. Um, a couple more things that I want to get to. You were at the press conferences. Um, Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubish, Dubis, and Keefe. I don't think I agree, or I'm I'm conflicted about what what Shanahan said um, when he kind of disputed the notion that now this is 
this is about Kyle Dubas. I don't like maybe it's not the proverbial like this is he's firing his bullet and if this doesn't work he gets fired, but it it does put the spotlight more on him because he has his roster, he has his coach. I don't think you can dispute the fact that that now if things don't go right, we will look at Kyle Dubas and not obviously Mike Babcock and we'll start to look at Brendan Shanahan too. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you no, I mean like that's the right thing for Shanahan to say, but it doesn't necessarily mean like if this team misses the playoffs, all of the critical columns at the end of the year are going to be pointing at Dubas, I would think. I mean, the only def- what the defense you can make for Dubas is that <clears throat> if he wanted to fire Babcock and wasn't able to, and then that kind of yeah sewer their season, their season. That's fair. Yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, Shanahan is the president. Shanahan did hire him. And like this is this was always like to go back to that summer in 2015. This was kind of one of the things that got talked about. Like, should you hire uh, a coach before you hire a GM? You understood it because like if you didn't hire Babcock at that time, he's going somewhere else. And who's your coach? It was going to be Guy Boucher. Right. And that that would have been... <laughs> That would not have been as good for the Leafs. Like, and so that's the last thing I want to talk to you about, just because it's topical for me. I just wrote about it. It's on my mind. How, how do you kind of look back at, at Babcock's tenure in Toronto? Success, part success. I, I kind of wrote that it was complicated, more successful than maybe he'll get credit for, and yet lacking in, in some things, obviously. I think part of the legacy of, Babcock's time in Toronto depends on what happens here. Like if Keith comes in and the team completely turns around and looks like a 115 point team or whatever, and then that's going to, that's going to reflect poorly on Babcock that, that he should have been a little bit less rigid and tried to evolve a little bit with his roster and his team. So I, I don't know that point. we can, I don't know that we can say today what, Babcock did some really good things. I think that he's a good coach. I mean, he's, what is he, seventh, eighth in the NHL and all time in wins. And, yeah. you know, it was interesting, interesting to see him work up close. And, but, you know, it's, pro sports is changing really fast, Jonas. Like, it's, it, it's evolving, like a lot of things in the world. And there's a lot of, you know, we, we didn't have 32 year old general managers 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's, you know, and you're seeing them in pro sports all over the place. And um, I don't know that Mike Babcock evolved fast enough. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the roster stuff, James. Like, I, I, I just want to interrupt you. Um, the Maybe the best coach in pro sports right now, he's either first or he's second. Bill Belichick is known for, like, like they'll get their players. And, the, like, every year they're kind of a different team, and it's it's – thought to be based on like the players that they have and like he'll just change with who they have Greg Popovich in the NBA with the Spurs like they just kind of they just kind of work around what they have and I thought it was really interesting when Keith spoke um on Thursday that that was kind of his point like we're going to really emphasize what we what we have not what we don't have and it feels like that's that's kind of the way that you need to be today instead of like this is the type of team I I coach and I want players who fit that instead of like we're going to get players. We're going to try to build how we play around the players that we have. So 
that's funny you say that because, you know, I was talking to someone around the team over, I'm not going to say who or hint who or whatever, but, you know, and they said that Mike Babcock loves Bill Belichick, but he's not like Bill Belichick because what Belichick does is he does anything to win and adapts to make that happen. And that's not what happened here. So, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. He'll get another job, I would think, if he wants one, and it will be interesting if he wants to see one, what happens. 100%. And I think that if you put him on a team that's a more veteran team that's got a lot more Zach Hyman kind of grind guys, I think that he'll do fine. You know, if he was coaching, if he was coaching the Islanders right now, or if he was coaching, you know, like if he had a different roster, it's almost, this is another thing that came up during this trip, is that like, he wanted his team to play kind of Zach Hyman and he only had one Zach Hyman. And in the beginning of the year when Hyman was out, he had none. Like he just right. didn't have those puck retriever guys that he needs to play the style that he wants to play. And that doesn't work. Like, I don't think it's going to work in the NHL anymore if the GM and the coach aren't fully aligned because you need to build the roster in a way that complements the way the coach wants to play. And they were completely at odds here by the end. All right, James, you know how it feels to come home from a long day at work. Some of these practices go long. Some of the, the games, we get home at late. We get home at like two in the morning sometimes. And that's when you can use the DoorDash app. I know you're not much of a cook. I like to cook, but sometimes I just don't feel like it. And that's when I use the DoorDash app. I love the burgers at Rudy. I love the burgers at Burger Priest. I like the pizza. There's a spot called General Assembly in downtown Toronto where you can use the DoorDash app to get that brought to your home. You don't have to take off your sweatpants. You don't have to cook. You just get your food delivered to you at home. And the good news is, James... Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more. All you have to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LEAF. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store. Enter the promo code LEAF. Don't forget, the promo code is LEAF for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. If you're a team that's struggling and you're supposed to be pretty good, like I'm thinking like Calgary or... I mean, what about Nashville? Tampa. Look at Nashville. Like, Nashville, Tampa. Like you wonder look at if Nashville, that... man. Like Dallas. Yeah. There's, so I there's just... a bunch of teams there that that could say like, let's get yeah. Babcock in here. You know. That's what and I'm. He's thinking. only got three years left on his deal after this, and you know, if 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 let's say another team offers Babcock three or four million or whatever, and then the Leafs got to pay, they still got to pay what's left, right? What's above that? So. You know, it's going to be up to Babcock. Like, he's going to get the money from the Leafs no matter what. The question is, does he want back in? And, you know, Pierre Lebrun had in, he talked to Mike Babcock and he had in his piece that he wasn't sure if he was going to coach again or not. Um, he might take his time before deciding that. I think he coaches again. I don't think he wants to go out like this. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane that he hadn't been fired in almost 30 years. That is nuts. The one question you asked Babcock, and I think it was in preseason, right? Or maybe before the first game of the season. Um, when you had him one-on-one -on -one was, do you feel like you have something to prove? And he said, no, I think he does now. now you know, he does. And especially if the Leafs turn, if the Leafs turn around under Keefe, the narrative is going to be that, that Babcock was a, a massive failure. Um, I don't fully buy that because I think he did some good things, especially early on with the Leafs. Um, but that's going to be the narrative. And knowing Mike Babcock a little bit and having watched him up close the last four and a half years, I think that that would, that could light a fire under him where he says, you know what, 
I'll show them. We'll come back. And I think Lou had some of that. Like, I think, yeah, I think Lou Lamorello, like, you know, he's, how old is Lou now? 74? Like, you know, you know, he relished another opportunity with the Islanders and showing people that, you know, a lot of people in Toronto said that, that he was finished and me, they're having a pretty good season. Yeah. Well, it was, it seemed very notable um, when Babcock did talk to Pierre that he didn't mention Shanahan. He didn't mention Dubas. He mentioned Larry Tannenbaum. He mentioned Morgan Riley, but like, I don't think that's an accident. Like I would be pissed if I was him too. There's a part of me that understands that. Like, I think there is something a little off to give a coach like that 23 games, especially given everything that was happening. And yet I also could understand if I was watching that team play in Pittsburgh, something is wrong. So I can see both sides. There was something wrong. Yeah. There, there was, there was something wrong. And you know what? Yeah. There was, you know, it's funny you're around the team and you think there might be something wrong and, it's interesting, you know, it's the biggest hockey team in the world, and it, it, it this wasn't out more in the open the way that it is now. Well, we can so, kind of, like, explain it, that. Like, you hear stuff, but, like, there, it's not stuff you – I mean, we're not tabloid journalists. So, like, if we hear that, that players aren't thrilled with, with Babcock, that's, like, interesting. But, like, you're not going to report that every time because generally that's not an unusual thing. Like, players typically yeah. have problems with their coaches – you heard but it I guess about. What I'm saying is this 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 might be a, a situation where it was yeah. a little bit more pronounced than than we thought. Maybe. But, I mean, I think it was. I think it was like, and it doesn't help that it's very clear that the coach and the GM didn't get along. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's just that's a tough situation for everybody. Well, I, I think Babcock said like a coach should be or a GM should be able to hire his own coach, and that's probably yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, in, you know what? Credit to Babcock for saying that. Like, it wasn't like he doesn't agree with Dubas and the way that the team should be built or the way they should play or the way that you need to win in the playoffs in the NHL. But the GM gets to decide that, right? So, and, and the jury's still out on that. Like, we don't, we don't, can they win in the playoffs playing the way that, that Kyle Dubas envisions? Is, is it going to work? Well, there was a know yet. yeah, and you know what, James? You should go and listen to it. Uh, Dubis was on Overdrive on Thursday, and and they did a really good job with it. And one of the things that they asked was, I think it was Hayes at the end, like you're you're betting that this team, a team built this way with the cap the way it is, with the types of players that you're bringing in, you're betting that it it works. You're going against convention, and Dubis basically said, "I'm putting my career." on the line because I believe this and it's true. Like we don't know the results. We don't know if it'll work. Um, but, but he, he owned it. Like he said, this is on me. And like, if it doesn't work, I'll basically, uh, I won't have a job. So, yeah, well that's life, right? Like if, if you and I don't produce content people want, then we probably won't have a job. So hopefully people like this podcast. I think this is, <laughs> This has been one of the most, I've covered the team, I think 11 years, 12 years. This has been one of the most interesting weeks in the entire time I've, I've been a hockey writer. Like it's, I've been getting like four hours sleep a day and I've been traveling and, but it's, it's been really, really fascinating. I don't, it's interesting. Like, I wish like if we knew this was happening, we would have brought you here too. And like, we would have, but you don't know. Right. And 
you know, I've got two little kids and I'm helping run the athletic in Canada and I'm traveling less this year than I ever have. And I just happen to be the one that's on this trip. It's kind of random that they worked out this way, but I think it's good in that like you've got a perspective from there looking at all of this and I've got a perspective here when you're right up close to it and it looks a little bit different depending on where, where you're watching from. Yeah. Well, I could feel it after that Pittsburgh game. Like that felt it was weird. Yeah, you were how, in Pittsburgh, like, so you saw Well, you have like flashbacks. Like, yeah. I, I literally it literally felt as tense as it did during those collapse years and it yeah. was it That's was what it weird was like in Vegas too. That's well, because like one of the things I did, yeah. James, like, you know, the underbelly, people will know this, but like under under the arena, there's like the underbelly where there's the dressing rooms and like players walk to the bus. And I, I was just like kind of hanging around there doing some things on my phone, like look, writing down some quotes, looking at my notes and players were walking by to the bus and their faces were just like, oh, my God, like it just looked like death. And that that felt like it did before. So. A good and that's closing. Like, so then, yeah. yeah, they flew to Vegas that night, and then I saw them Monday morning at practice, and it felt not great. And then you saw them all day Tuesday, and even though that they played okay in that game, there was it was just the thing you're talking about the joylessness was it was there. So, all right, well, we'll talk next week, I guess. I hope you have a safe trip to Colorado. Say hi to to Nas. We miss him. Miss dealing with him I, is what I mean. He was he's like he's like top three ever in terms of people for the media in Toronto for me. Hall of Fame, eh? All of media fame. Leafs Media Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. All right. Well, we'll It'll talk be next interesting week. See how he plays. I, I'm sure he's going to be. Jonas, I'm sure he's going to be all over the ice in that game. I'm sure he's going to be. He's going to be so fired up. Yes. All right, well, safe trip, and we will talk next week. Thanks, James. All right. See you, Jonas.